Chapter 31 of Hagar's Daughter, A Story of Southern Caste Prejudice. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Hagar's Daughter, A Story of Southern Caste Prejudice by Pauline Hopkins. Chapter 31 by the middle of september washington awoke from the stagnation incident to the summer vacation and was ready to begin the business of another working year the departments were reopened and hundreds of stragglers returned to work in the great government hives all eager for the excitement of the great murder trial sunday the day before the opening of the trial cuthbert sumner sat in his cell looking pale and careworn but still preserving his outward composure though racked by inward torture jewel's abduction had been a worse blow to him than his own arrest and uncertainty as to her fate had nearly driven him wild but to-day hope had smiled her april smile from amid the clouds that threatened and he was at peace his lawyer had just left him, bidding him to be of good cheer, for all things pointed to a happy ending of his troubles. Absorbed in thought, he sat dreaming of the future and planning for a period of felicity that should atone for the suffering of the present time. Suddenly the key grated in the lock, and the door swung open to admit a visitor. He recoiled as from a blow when he met the gaze of Aurelia Madison, who stood staring at him with a glance in which curiosity, fear, and love were mingled. She stood in the center of the gloomy cell like a statue, her dazzling beauty as marvelous as ever, the red-gold hair still shining in sunny radiance, the velvet eyes resting upon the man before her with a hidden caress in their liquid depths sumner shuddered as he gazed and remembered the dead girl's story when alone with this woman she had always possessed an irresistible attraction for him and in spite of the past the old sensation returned in full force at this unexpected encounter mingled with fear and repulsion she broke the spell which held them silent bert my bert she stretched out her hand to him but he made no move to take it the blood flushed her cheek why will you not take my hand she moved a step nearer to him but he rose to his feet and drew back with a passionate cry she fell on her knees before him seized his hand and covered it with kisses do not repulse me see me at your feet bert let me save you do not spurn me i beseech you save me miss madison you jest replied sumner in a voice made quiet by a strong effort i do not jest i can and i will save you her eyes were fixed upon his face in eager intensity with a shock of surprise sumner was convinced that she spoke the truth but he stood there looking down upon her with all the coolness and sternness of a judge you tell me news he said at length great god do not doubt me now i can save you all i ask in return is that you take me to your heart again as your affianced wife and i shall be content ah i thought so there is a price attached to your generosity do not be so merciless if you only knew i do know broke from sumner's lips as he flung her off she reeled back gasping for breath still upon her knees she gazed into his immovable countenance for a full minute there was dead silence 
then sumner spoke do not let us have any more mistakes if my acquittal depends upon the plan you have mentioned miss madison i shall never be free why do you speak thus she asked as she rose to her feet for many reasons he replied significantly the woman looked utterly despondent there was a pause an exciting pause surely she said at length you can have no hope that jewel will return to you even if you were free general benson will hold her to her promise do not speak her name cried sumner fiercely it is sacrilege for your perjured lips to name her whom you have so tricked deceived and abused a bad promise is better broken than kept and my wife formerly miss jewel benson felt the truth of the old adage when she consented to marry me in this very cell he could not repress the note of triumph in his voice as he uttered the words but he was not prepared for what followed no she cried out with a passion terrible to see you have not dared you could not dare stop said sumner sternly i warn you do not try me too far you will act wisely if you drop this whole matter and leave washington and the society where you have queened it so long under false pretenses for solitude and seclusion where you may escape the scorn of the world what do you mean she demanded her features pale to the very lips she stood at bay but in her face it could be seen that she measured his strength struggling with a new and horrible dread god forbid that i should make you a social outcast he replied need i speak plainer aurelia listened to him with the watchfulness of a tiger who sees the hunter approaching her strong active brain was on the alert but now her savage nature broke forth she laughed aloud ferociously and then began a tirade of abuse that would have honored the slums weary of the whole proceeding disgusted with himself and the infatuation that had once enthralled him he said at last in desperation let us end this scene and all relations that have ever existed if you were as pure as snow and i loved you as my other self i would never wed with one of the colored blood an octoroon wordless with corpse-like face and gleaming eyes she faced him unflinchingly if i had a knife in my hand and could stab you to the heart i would do it i know you would but such weapons as i possess i will use i will not fly i will brave you to the last if the world is to condemn me as the descendant of a race that i abhor it shall never condemn me as a coward terrible though her sins might be terrible her nature she was but another type of the products of the accursed system of slavery a victim of man's inhumanity to man that has made countless millions mourn there was something too that compelled admiration in this resolute standing to her guns with the determination to face the worst that fate might have in store for her something of all this sumner felt but beyond a certain point his new england philanthropy could not reach he bowed his head at her words and said as you will i have warned you she stood at the full of her splendid stature her eyes gleaming her ashen lips firmly set then she turned from him and gave the signal that brought the warden to let her out silently without a backward look she passed from the cell and the prisoner was once more left in solitude 
at nine o'clock that same night chief henson stood near a gas lamp on the platform of the baltimore and ohio railroad station glancing through a few lines from his colored agent placed in his hands by plucky little venus johnson that very morning the latter had gone on to the bowen mansion to prepare the mistress for an unexpected arrival chief henson was particularly pleased with the abilities shown by his colored detectives smith the mail agent was a civil war veteran who had left a leg at honey hill and on that account the grateful government had detailed him for duty on chief henson's staff of the secret service and he had helped his chief out of many a difficult position for which mr henson was not slow nor meager in his acknowledgments five minutes after the train was in chief henson saw smith advancing toward him accompanied by two females closely veiled from out the swarming crowd the great detective stepped and motioned the man to follow with one of the females while he himself led the way with the other to the bowen carriage outside the depot on the avenue having placed the women in the carriage and given the coachman his directions he and smith entered a herdic and were driven rapidly to his office where they remained talking until the first hours of the morning meanwhile venus had resumed her duties as suddenly as she dropped them the servants wondered among themselves but not a comment was made the news that the faithful girl brought seemed to restore mrs bowen's lost vitality she insisted on rising and being dressed and received jewel in her arms at the great entrance doors supper was served in mrs bowen's private parlor any one who had entered the room would have been surprised at the kind of solicitude and graciousness shown old aunt henny who was an honored guest mrs bowen's attention was evenly divided between her stepdaughter and the old negress venus waited on the company and for the time all thoughts of caste were forgotten while the representatives of two races met on the ground of mutual interest and regard again and again venus was called upon to repeat the story of her adventures yes miss bowen she said for the twentieth time when i peeked in through that window and saw miss jewel and gran sitting there a-talkin i was plumb crazy for a minute then i climbed down as fast as any squirrel and i made tracks for mr smith and i told him what i'd seen he says to me he says now venus how in time am i goin to get you into that house we can't break the windows and get in because they're ironed clara says he i don't know where i'm at well you know miss bowen i ain't a bit slow know em if i do say it and i just thought hard for a minute and then it struck me says i to him get a move on dad there you and me together must tote him to the house when we get there you knock up the old woman and make her let you put dad in keep up all the fuss you can says i and in the kick up why i'll sneak in and hide you be waiting by the front door and i'll have em out in a jiffy good says he two heads is better than one if the other is a sheep's head much obliged for calling me a fool says i welcome says he but i take off my hat to you young lady i does and i'm going to give the chief a pointer to get you on the staff says he here's something to help the cause along and he gave me a big bunch of keys and a dark lantern try the keys on the big front door he says well everything worked particularly fine miss bowen dad was so drunk he couldn't stand and he didn't know whether he was afoot or riding i slipped in all right got my lady and gran and got away as slick as grease dad ain't shown his head since mr henson's looking for him but i know he'll keep shy i reckon he don't want to see old general benson for one right smart spell he's scared all right 
scared to pieces aunt henny said nothing but once in a while she would nod her turbaned head in seeming perplexity as she furtively watched every movement made by mrs bowen for her part mrs bowen seemed uneasy under the old woman's persistent regard End of chapter thirty one